Hello and welcome to ESPN Crick and Post Stump Mike. Uh, I'm Karthik Ayer and today is a somber and a sobering day. We're of course recording a few hours after the death of uh, former Australia batsman, commentator, broadcaster Dean Jones. Dean sadly passed away after a cardiac arrest in Mumbai where he was with of course the broadcasters of the IPL Star Sports for their dugout feed. Today on Stump Mike, I have with me Deban Sen. Deban, welcome. Hi. Along with Deban is Varun Shetty. Varun did ball by ball comms for the game that was that just finished between RCB and Kings Eleven Punjab. Hey, Karthik. Hey, Deban. How's it going? So, so before guys, before we get into into the match in itself, uh, Deban, and I'll start with you about Dean Jones uh, because I think for someone like Varun and someone like me. Dean Jones was mainly a broadcaster, a sportscaster. We have seen him more in commentary than than we have actually seen his cricket. But as I was telling you all before we we came on air, looking at his stats, he was and looking at what everyone's written about him and said about him, and uh, some of the YouTube videos as well that have that have suddenly surfaced. He was a revolutionary ODI player, particularly for Australia. You have seen him play live, at least in terms of on television during that era. You probably remember the infamous or famous Chennai test as well. So what are your best memories of Dean Jones and how best should he be remembered as a cricketer first and foremost? Yeah, thanks Karthik. Uh, indeed a very somber day and it's it's extremely shocking when something like this happens in the field of work because, you know, I've been in those shoes. Uh, sometimes when you're commentating through a long tournament like this, you go through long phases where, you know, uh, the, the rigmarole of just going from the studio or from uh, the venue to the hotel back to the venue, it can get very tiring and quite you know, I've, I've seen another very close friend of mine who was a football broadcaster also pass away in similar circumstances. And it can be really jolting for all of his colleagues. So, you know, first of all, condolences to his family and to everybody in the cricket fraternity. Uh, absolutely. He was a very, very good uh, ODI player in particular. Um, my first memories would be of the 1987 Cricket World Cup where he was an integral part of that Australian team. And then when India went to Australia in 1991-92, you know, uh, he was the, right there in the test side as well as the World Cup team. His 90 against India, in which, you know, India lost by one run. That was a great innings. Tenacious cricketer loved, you know, stepping out to players, uh, to bowlers and, you know, upsetting their lens and taking the attack to them. Excellent between the wickets, ahead of his time in that sense as well. Always, you know, uh, placed an emphasis on rotating the strike. And I'd just like to uh, sort of wind up with, you know, one little personal anecdote. In 2004, uh, there was the Asia Cup in Sri Lanka. So I was working on the broadcaster's side. I was just 22 years of age. I was in my first job. So I was just sort of running around and being a general production, you know, somebody uh, just sort of, you know, running tasks for everybody. So I had very minimal interaction with uh, Dino because that was his first, I think one of his first assignments with ESPN. And uh, he was also sort of feeling his way into the role. I think that's around the time when his professor Dino persona was created on air. And he was quite enjoying himself in that role. And I remember when we were all going back, uh, you know, sitting at the Colombo airport, he was actually chatting with, I think, Michael Slater, and they were talking about Australian domestic cricket. And uh, I happened to pick up on a name which was slipping his mind. And I'd read that name uh, when I'd read, you know, Mark Waugh's biography about a couple of years ago. And that name was of this uh, cricketer you would have never heard of, this uh, Australian domestic all-rounder called Brad McNamara, who played in New South Wales in the late 80s and early 90s. So Dino was really impressed and he was so excited that, you know, somebody had heard of that name and he got really excited and that just uh, spoke about the kind of, you know, uh, the passion that he had for cricket because after that we had a long chat about things. I don't think I've worked with him since and yeah, it, it, 
even though I've never professionally worked, it's been 16 years since, but I feel a personal sense of loss myself too. Yeah, Dean Jones will be missed. And before we go ahead to the match, I would like, and I think you guys will agree with me, to give props to Star Sports and Hot Stuff in particular. The way their dugout feed was today, I mean, there are very few sporting broadcasts that can make you emotional and that are emotional in itself. I know the premise to it was was a sad event, but the entire experience of watching Star Sports dugout today, which, as they called it, was the Dean Jones show, was was an experience in itself. And props to his his friends and colleagues from there, Brett Lee and the likes of Scott Styrus, of course, who was extremely emotional on air, Sanjay Bangar, Irfan Patan and Graham Swan. That was really well done. But But let's get on to the match in itself. We had an IPL game that took place today where the Royal Challengers Bangalore did what RCB do quite often, it has to be said. No, Varun, I mean, at the, in the first match, we were wondering, is the old RCB gone? Like, are we seeing something new, something revolutionary? But it was back to type here today. Yeah. And I mean, uh, the, the, the big, uh, the big uh, shock at the start of the match, uh, and uh, I, I was on commentary and a lot of people were in feedback. Uh, when they heard that RCB had gone with an unchanged eleven. Uh, the overwhelming uh, feedback was, oh my God, this is so 2020 that an RCB team goes in unchanged uh, two games in a row. But that is exactly, I think, why they lost it. I mean, if you think about it, uh, uh, Kings XI Punjab also had a really close game uh, in their first game. Uh, they came into this game making a couple of tweaks that would help them not go close again or, you know, just pull away a little bit. Whereas RCB really escaped last match. Uh, in many ways, the game was handed to them. It was very close and they were on the verge of losing when, when it all turned around. They did not really account for that margin or give themselves that extra margin by making those changes. And uh, it was perhaps the one day that they probably needed to make some tweaks and uh, they went against that grain. <laughs> and like you said, the result is still very RCB. Yeah, but before before we dissect RCB, I think it's only fair that we start the conversation about Kings Eleven Punjab versus RCB with the Kings Eleven captain KL Rahul hitting the first century in IPL 2020. He's also, if I'm not mistaken, the highest Indian individual run scorer yeah. now in an yeah in an individual performance with with his 132 not out. And Deban, I want to draw on this point because before before this IPL started and because people hadn't played players hadn't played in such a long time. This was KL Rahul's exact quote. And he was like, once or twice, I did have sleepless nights thinking, what if I once get back to playing cricket and I'm not the same player that I once was? Well, KL doesn't have much to fear in that regard. But but it's really interesting to see a, a vulnerable, a human side come out from a player, especially one who is the captain of an IPL franchise. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's still... Uh... Relatively young in terms of you know IPL experience, uh, international experience. He's ha- he's had a few years with the Indian team, but he's been in and out a bit. So that that cannot be great for confidence. But I think nobody you know watching has ever doubted his ability. And the good thing about him is that not only does he look good, but he also translates it into big performances. And he showed today that he has that uh, ability to hit fifth gear. Of course, he was helped along the way by those two dropped catches, which came at a really poor time for uh, Royal Challengers Bangalore. But I thought Kings Eleven Punjab, on the whole, as Varun said, did most things right. They made a couple of sensible changes. Even in their batting order, they were quite flexible. Glenn Maxwell came and didn't really come off today, but they showed the confidence, which I often wonder right through this IPL as well. We've seen, you know, guys like Kyron Pollard or uh, say even Andre Russell bat really low, or Mahindra Singh Dhoni for that matter. 
But Kings XI Punjab just brought him in as a bit of a punt. And if he'd come off, maybe he would have added a few more runs at that stage. So Kings XI Punjab looking quite good. Good performance against Delhi. And today was pretty much the complete team performance with both bat and ball. And Varun, you noticed this particularly at the end of the game when you were doing comms and uh, Rahul was giving his interview. He said that he was nervous even when he came out to bat and he had a chat with Glenn Maxwell yesterday about it. It is it is clear and it, it is nice to see a human side from cricketers and it is clear that he probably had some confidence issues going into, into this tournament and he's not this unbeatable T20 batting machine that... To be fair, we've come to expect from him. I mean, there is literally a threat going around that KL Rahul may just be India's best T20 batsman currently. I think Sambit started it, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Yes, <laughs> that was, this is drawing from Sambit Sweet. And, and I think that's a fair argument to make, it, particularly yeah. in T20 cricket. I mean, limited overs, we can count Varun, Rohit and Kohli in. But in T20 cricket, this guy is a machine. Yeah, and I actually said as much, uh, I think, a couple of weeks ago when we were recording the all the, the current best IPL 11, I think one of the points I made was that Rahul is probably India's best T20 batsman right now. Uh, but uh, more on the human side of things, uh, the thing with Rahul is he's taken a bit of effort, he's put in a bit of time to become this amazing, uh, amazingly skilled limited overs batsman that we see now. Uh, if, you think, if you think of KL Rahul before, say, 2016, uh, before he joined RCB in that uh, year where they made the final, uh, he was someone who was scoring fewer, I mean, uh, about a boundary per game on average uh, and maybe half the number of sixes per per game uh, on average per season. And that was over two or three seasons. He was this skinny kid who had broken into the test team, who had been compared to Rahul Dravid all his life, uh, who had made an identity as uh, perhaps India's next big test batsman. And you would see him in the IPL and he would be struggling to like lift the ball over mid-off. He would he couldn't he didn't have the game to hit over the top. Uh, which is something he which clearly affected him because when he came into that RCB squad and uh, uh, took over the number five or six role for them that season, he was completely different. He started getting stronger, he started uh, you know, bringing a lot of new shots to his game. He brought the ramp, he had the slice over the offside and this has been a slow development of Rahul and the thing is you can transform like that but it do, it comes at the cost of maybe losing who you are or you if 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 you have a couple of bad matches like he did uh, with the Indian test team you start questioning yourself uh, you don't know what to revert back to you know a lot of existential questions that come in and uh, he's had his fair share of stuff off the field as well with the whole Hardik Pandya thing so he, it was uh, it has been a, a little difficult for uh, KL Rahul over the last 18 months. One of possibly the most talented batsmen we've had uh, since uh, Virat Kohli burst through. Uh, but hasn't quite really sealed that uh, position yet. So even now with the ODI team, he's at five, he's keeping. And you just don't know what Rahul is yet. Uh, he has so many good things. We just don't know what he is uh, truly. So I can understand. I can see where he can, where he must be feeling a little wobbly about who he is. Uh, I mean, imagine being that talented, not feeling conf- confident that you could play a cover drive the next day. Uh, so yeah, it's it's uh, it's sort of refreshing that he's speaking about it. But I think more than anything, he would have proved to himself today that uh, he's the kind of batsman. He, if he bats fifty balls, he's going to get a hundred uh, at some point. So uh, it was very good for him. Uh, I, I hope he. Uh, 
uh, feel some confidence because he said he was low on confidence coming into this game. Yeah, Deban, there's one thing, one one point where I noticed about KL Rahul, where I think he got a bit cheesed off, especially with the question that was posed to him at the toss when I think Michael Slater was doing the the toss and he asked him about Chris Gale. And Rahul didn't expect that question and he's like, he'll play when when it's his time to play. Um, is there a case to be made for Gale to not immediately take a place in this Kings 11-11 or... Are they doing so well that... Because, you know what, when I look at it, Kings eleven are arguably the form side. I know they lost the first game, but it's a game they should have won. They should have won before it went to a super over. And now they've comprehensively beaten RCB as well. They are probably the form side in this tournament with a very, very small sample size. So, I can understand why Rahul was a bit upset when he was pushed on the Gale question because it's not something he wants to answer time and again, especially when you have Puran in the in the, in that lineup and Maxwell there as well. But where do you see Gale fitting in here? So I think before I answer that, uh, I would urge our listeners to uh, just check out the latest Mute Me because Varun Shetty has some pretty strong views on that in that episode. Uh, so that was good fun, but. Yes, I think uh, the encouraging factor for Kings Eleven is not just uh, Chris Gale, but even somebody of the quality of Mujibur Rahman actually cannot find his way into the Eleven right now. So they'll they'll have to wait for their chance. I think the immediate chance for Gale opens up because they'll probably I think they are slated to play next in Sharjah. So that that could be the absolute you know stage set for Gale to just make a quick cameo, and it will not affect the team balance too much. However, it will be a very tough call on whichever foreigner he replaces because. Uh, Nicholas Puran has only had uh, two innings. Today, he was just getting into the flow of things before he got dismissed. Uh, Glenn Maxwell carries with himself that explosive ability, which, you know, opponents will always be scared of. And last year, he thrived. The last time uh, the IPL was played for the first month in uh, UAE, he really thrived in that position. So, it will be a little bit difficult to sort of slot him in, uh, maybe in place of Jimmy Nisham, but then they'll have to uh, work around some of the other slots to, you know, factor in one more bowling option. But I can definitely see Chris Gale get, getting a game in charge and, you know, that is the kind of ground which could suit him to a T. And if it's his kind of day, day, he could just, you know, overwhelm the opposition single-handedly. Yeah, so just to add to that, uh, I think uh, there is a case or a place for Gale to be playing against Rajasthan Royals. Uh, this is something uh, our colleague Gaurav Sundaraman uh, noticed. With the leg spinners. Yeah, with the, with the two leg spinners coming in uh, uh, for Rajasthan Royals, he feels like maybe that's where you could uh, possibly fit Gale in. Let's have one last word on the Kings eleven Punjab. Apart from Rahul and the obvious choices, what has impressed you the most? Like, I'll, I, I'm going to steal one answer and say Ravi Bishnoi has impressed me the most, especially today. And the fact that he was bold in the power play, you could see that he was nervous. Rahul mentioned it as well, that he was nervous probably bowling against A.B. De Villiers and Aaron Finch. But he came through it. He came through it extremely well. What about you, Varun? Uh, the one pattern I've noticed is that um, this is a team that is self-aware and they probably know that death bowling is not their strong suit. Uh, so, they're being incredibly attacking up front. Um, even, I think even in the last match, they bowled the same two bowlers, bowled the first five overs, I think Shami and Cottrell. They're maximizing their chance right at the top with the swinging ball and both their bowlers are swinging it really well at the moment. Uh, they know they need to get the wickets up front. Uh, I think Rahul said as much as well in the presentation today. Um, so they know that. They know that at the back end is where they'll struggle. Uh, today, they knew they needed wickets again and they brought in M. Ashwin. So with with Bishnoi and with Ashwin and with Chami and Cottrell, they know that their four main bowlers need to get all the wickets because the fifth bowler is an issue for them. 
the sixth bowler doesn't really appear most times at maxwell so uh, they they've really understood their limitations with their bowling and i've been pretty uh, impressed with how they've tried to go about it it didn't come off against delhi with the last few overs but uh, they they seem to be aware and they they're sticking to a plan of shami up front and then he comes between the 12th and 14th to finish his spell i can see some patterns developing there yeah on on similar lines pretty much uh, rahul's captaincy has also been good i'm sure there's been good inputs from anil kumble as coach as well and yeah just picking up on the same thing looking for wickets early on they did it against delhi capitals couldn't really close it out but today they had a much larger target to defend and that's what worked in their favor sheldon cotrell not afraid to pitch it up and swing it also not afraid to bang it in short at good pace you know not trying for too many things at the top of the order not trying for slow balls and everything variations are used much more smartly than some of the other faster bowlers we've seen and yes bishnoi was excellent ashwin was good and i thought the highlight of the day was ashwin going in for that catch at third man and his effort to then try and slide the ball back that just summed up kings 11 punjab's hunger today because by that time the match had pretty much passed by from rcb's grasp but they were still fighting for everything so that was quite impressive yeah if there's one thing it's the fact that history in the uae is on the side of kings 11 punjab of course in 2014 very famous that last time they were there they won all five out of their five games and they've started the season well as as well but now let's move on to rcb they were a truckload of truck loads of problems today uh, varun with with rcb i mean there was the there was the batting order there was the death bowling i mean we, we could just go on naming so why don't you start with something and then we'll take it from there <laughs> i mean i mean, i'll start with the batting order i mean it was again something off the grain for rcb to be messing with number 3 uh, i mean number 3 is usually nailed bang on for uh, virat kohli or ab de villiers it was actually interesting to see them try something new this time uh, and uh, it was it was I I welcomed it honestly it didn't work out but the damage had already been done before the, their innings had begun uh, so they was they they tried something and that that is pretty new so that was good to see I don't really have a problem with that uh, the bowling though I mean there's this serious sort of issue still with their slog overs bowling and it's it's almost tiring to keep pointing it out because how will it change if the personnel don't change uh, you know everyone knows umesh is someone you finish up front which is fine saini has become a really good all-round bowler he can bowl any stage but when you're looking for wickets which kohli is more prone to do than uh, you know keeping some overs for the back end he's usually done with chahil by the 15th over and in the last five he usually has one over left with uh, saini and when when that is the case and it keeps being the case you're going to be pushed in a corner where you have to rely on dale stain at the back end who has is he a good death is he a good death overs bowler at the moment no and uh, for for a couple of years actually he's not the ideal bowler i know i know there's the temptation to uh, respect his legacy and to you know basically think of dale stain the champion but the ipl has moved past emotions like that you need specialists right now you can't rely purely on the past you can't i mean even if you want to rely on the past you you literally thinking of the guy who uh, rcb themselves have taken apart in the past when he was in the opposition you might you might remember some famous uh, abw innings so you cannot be banking entirely on dale stain and uh, especially right now he's been so rusty both these matches uh, he he dropped a catch last match that made it look like he hasn't played in 3 or 4 years 
today he dived over one and went for four. He's just not there yet, and he shouldn't be your death overs bowler. Shivam Dubey especially should not be your death bowler. Hey, Dubey did well today, yeah. Um, <laughs> look, that's the thing, right? He he did well in the last match as well, and he got some wickets today as well. But there was a fear that you might be lulled into a sense of security, and so you're saying if Shivam Dubey is your best bowler, you have a problem. In the depth, yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, in the depth, yeah, of course. Yeah. Chahal is your best bowler, otherwise. Yeah, yeah, and I don't think he's ever been a specialist death bowler either. So that's that's the word I just want to keep using. Actually, they don't have specialists at the depth. They have specialist openers. They have specialist three or four, possibly the best three and four pair we've ever had in the IPL. But they don't have specialist death bowlers, and it's not something they seem to be bothered about at all. At some point, Chris Morris will come in, who is pretty good at the death. But there's just there just seems to be no resolution at all to their back end issues because one guy coming in in Chris Morris will also not possibly win you a title, uh, let alone make the playoffs. Uh, I know they had they've tried to assign guys like Nathan Coulter, Nile, and Richardson, and lost both of them uh, for different reasons. One for injury, and you know many many different reasons. It's not worked out that their specialists don't show up, but. After three or four years, you can't have the exact same problem with the exact same people. Yeah, yeah. Deva, and it seems like we're talking on loop about about RCB, no? Yeah, I think uh, being charitable when you say three or four years, the RCB story has been almost the same right from the start, hasn't it? You know, the the issues with death bowling as well as batting. And keeping all of that in mind, I was, to be honest, a little surprised that uh, Virat Kohli actually won the toss and opted to field because both teams today had essentially the same strengths and weaknesses, if you think about it, you know. Uh, solid at the top of the order in batting. Bowling was a, a little inexperienced on both ends. So, you knew that under pressure, the bowling could just falter a bit. So, Deba, and then could 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 we take this into a broader point then? Considering you said you were surprised that they opted to field. Isn't that what every team has been doing in any of these matches, that we're, in the five previous matches that we've seen so far? And in this past week, it hasn't worked. Yeah, I think teams are going in by the, uh, you know, two factors. One is the past records of most teams while playing at the UAE. And secondarily, of course, the due factor, which has made its appearance in a couple of games. But what it's also done is it's allowed the oppositions to actually get, you know, first use of the wicket and post a massive score. Because remember, like, you know, even all of us, when we first started playing cricket, the first thing that we've always wanted to do naturally when we win the toss is to, you know, pick up the bat and go bat. Because it just helps. It helps put some pressure on the other team. You know, just chasing a target brings in a little bit of what what they call scoreboard pressure. And that has been showing in almost all of these games. So... I think most more teams have to be a little bit more adventurous. And more, I, I, I'm not necessarily saying that bat first or bat second, but definitely back your strengths. And for me, RCB's strength definitely is to post a huge total. We've seen it in the past. You know, whenever they've done well overall through a season, it's always been usually when they've batted first, posted big totals, and then put that scoreboard pressure on opposition. Because then you also eliminate the pitch factor, whether there's due or anything. You know, if... Today's match had been actually played in reverse. If RCB had batted first and posted over 200, I, I doubt Kings Eleven Punjab would have had the firepower to get to it. So, in the last, Varun, what's amusing, right? At halftime in each of the last three games that we've seen, uh, we had in the, I think in was Rajasthan who posted 216 against CSK. It was Mumbai who made 195 yesterday. And today it was Kings Eleven who made 206. But at halftime, the bowling side who had conceded so many runs, for some reason, when they came to give their mid-innings mid interviews, they were all confident, saying, we can chase this down because of the due factor. Are they overestimating 
the value or underestimating the value in fact of having a big total on the board i mean uh, in in normal circumstances maybe these are cricketers who are used to uh, when they see an opposition score 180 or 190 or 200 these are cricketers who are normally used to feeling like they can make a match out of it uh, which you can't really fault them for these are guys who know they're there they know the conditions they know how the pitch is playing but we really have to factor in the the point that they have not all played at all in the last 6 to 8 months on average and even more for someone in csk uh, and the thing with that is you don't have time to uh, find your feet in the second innings when you're chasing 200 and i think that is putting the extra pressure this is something we might see changing you know as the tournament goes on and more people have got practice in but it's a serious skill to be able to chase 190 200 it's a, again it's full of your specialist batsmen and your guys who can handle the middle overs and these are all specialist skills that don't just come back immediately so on another day in another year everything they said at uh, halfway point would, would have been completely uh, uh, legit you know and but at this point we got to give them a little bit of yeah it's it's almost like the reading of a script you know oh yeah we can chase this we have a good uh, batting lineup there's a due factor in place and yeah the ground is probably small if you're talking about charger but yeah i think what's been fun so far is that uh, every team which has played two games has at least won or you know won one and lost one so let's see if that pattern ca- continues because that just adds to the whole thing that we've been saying right from the start that this will be an open ipl and if there's no runaway leader at the start of the uh, league table then that should make for a very very exciting second half of the season exactly because of all the points which we've made and Varun made as well that many of the players are coming back from a long sort of hibernation yeah and currently kings 11 punjab lead the table let's see how long that lasts okay varun so there is a very clear parallel here especially when the game was beyond rcb and and we saw it a couple of days ago when Uh, Chennai Super Kings they were chasing a very very big total they were playing to make sure that their net run rate remains manageable which which could be important come the latter stages of the tournament especially in a league plus knockout format like we have in the IPL so what were RCB up to today because at first i thought okay once especially once de villiers maybe got out or even when he was there for a bit that they should maybe try and consolidate their net run rate but their approach it it kind of it kind of negated that entire thought that i had it made it made no sense to me maybe you can explain it i mean i i see it this way uh, to to ensure playoff positions you probably need not more than 8 or 9 wins out of your 14 games even 7 does it most years and if we if we draw a straight comparison with what csk did the other night uh, my my only uh, the only reason i see why rcb probably didn't go for that approach is rcb is not a team that can nail down and say we're going to get seven wins uh, i don't think so at this point uh, they're they're a team that has uh, a history or even like any sort of a run to say okay we know we can get seven or eight wins uh, this might come down to net run rate later whereas csk is a team that can do that uh, a csk team Dhoni can make the CSK team win seven or eight games, and potentially it might come down to net run rate for them. So the way I see it is, RCB probably didn't have so much cause to think of run rate, net run rate yet. Uh, they also have a pretty explosive batting order, uh, and points at the early stages of the tournament up hold a little more premium at this point uh, to than net run rate. Uh, so I mean, the flip the the flip point there is. 
if they don't get enough wins, then they need the net run rate. But when you're already two points up and you have the opportunity to go four and stay on top of the table, you try to take that. Yeah, also, I, I felt uh, there was a definite uh, difference in approach between the two teams. You know, Chennai Super Kings, they, they did go for the target. Uh, the conditions were different. It was a smaller ground in Sharjah. And Sam Curran, when he came out, clearly the intent was there from Chennai. But I think after the wicket of his and after uh, Guy Quad fell, I think Chennai kind of considered all of this into, uh, you know, their their uh, every every strategy that they had from there on. And Kedar Jada, while he did give it a go, they were always conscious of not getting bowled out. Whereas today, we didn't really see that from RCB, but that's also taking a bit of credit away from the way that Kings XI Punjab bowled and fielded. I thought, uh, especially, you know, uh, Ravi Bishnoi, the way that we've seen him even in the past in under-19 World Cups, he's... He's always looking for wickets. He's bowling within the stumps. He's bringing in subtle variations. And those are the kinds of deliveries which got him the wickets today. And even, you know, M. Ashwin bowled excellently alongside him. And then Maxwell slipped in a wicket as well. So from there on, there was just no turning back from RCB. And we know that RCB don't bat as deep as well. So by the time, you know, it got down to seven wickets or so, the writing was on the wall. Uh, Like I privately joked that the match stretched on much longer than I thought it might otherwise have. Hasn't that been every match, Devan? <laughs> Hasn't that been every match has gone on? Devan and Varun, thank you so much for joining us this evening on Stump Mike. We'll see you again the next time we do this. 